So many of us want to do good in life. So many of us want to contribute to that which is beneficial, do good by our children, do good by our parents, do good by uh, society around, to be accepted. And we make mission of it. And this is a really um, common place that people find their worth in. What good did they do? How did they perform? Last week we talked about rest and the importance of rest because when we push all the time towards good, we find ourselves exhausted. We find ourselves tired because that is, uh, without, without the rest, it becomes too much. So today we're back into talking about mission. We're talking, we're, we're alternating in this sermon series between mission, which is the push, and rest, which is God filling us so that we are able to move forward and grow. And abiding in Christ is what gives us the strength to push forward. But just abiding in Christ isn't really necessary if there is nothing to do on the other end of it. Sitting in church when I was younger, I would always get nervous when a pastor would bring up a question that's one of those cosmic questions that doesn't have an easy answer. One of those questions that you're just like, yeah, I scratch my head about that one a lot. And, uh, and, and so whenever pastors would bring it up, I would actually listen more because I want to hear what they've got to say. I want to know, do I agree with it or not? And, and one of the questions that comes up is what is God's goal with the creation of the world. What is God really doing here? What is, what is it about? I mean, it's really close to the age-old philosophical question of what's the purpose of life, but it's actually taking it even further and saying, what's God's purpose? What's his mission? What is he doing? Well, as we experience it here in this world, we experience everything in time. We experience everything in space. And so, we experience God's purpose in this time and space, and I think what it really comes down to is, a, is an understanding of God's purpose sitting inside of these two things, to be with humanity and to make everything right. God is investing himself to be with his creation, which is an absolutely mind-blowing idea, an infinite, invisible, all-knowing, all-powerful God wants to be with us who live as small, finite beings on a blue planet. God wants to be with us, and he is doing everything he can to do that, and he wants to make all things right. So when we speak about mission as a church, we better ensure that our mission is actually in parallel with God's mission, because as a church, we are representative of God's mission here on earth. So our mission as a church is to invite humanity to be with God and to foreshadow making all things right. I, clearly, we can't make all things right. That is being proven simply by our own actions and how we contribute to how things aren't made right. I think about even how I deal with my children sometimes, and sometimes it isn't the Holy Spirit leading me in my conversations. Sometimes it is a little bit more 
contributing to the problem rather than helping things out. And so in that, I struggle to even make things right in my own home because I can't control all the variables and I can't even always control myself. And so I continue to allow God to work in me because we need God to empower us. We need God to fill us with his Holy Spirit, to guide us, to shape us, and to be involved in every part. And that's what our entire service is about today. We want to foreshadow God's mission in the world. That's what we do at Promise Church. We foreshadow God's purposes to be with humanity, God's very presence, and that gives us rest. When God is with us, we actually find ourselves at, at peace, where we find that place where, where things are made right. And so, this is the gospel message that God is pursuing you. The good news to the world is that God wants to be with you and wants to make all things right. We're going to look at John 16 today. This is part three in our Mission and Rest sermon series, and part one was John 14, part two was John 15, and today is John 16, and I'm going to read a chunk of passage today that talks about Jesus' promise for the Holy Spirit to be with us because we need him. John 16, 3 to 15 says, Nevertheless, Jesus talking, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of the world is judged. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has, has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So Jesus is leaving He's, he's here, he is God here on earth, but he is here in finite, small, temporal being, and, and he is leaving, and he leaves because he has a mission for the rest of the world. See, Jesus is human, existing in one place at one time. We know that Jesus is divine, but we also know that Jesus is human, and we know that, that in this, that we can know God. So what it is, is God has said, I'm going to reduce myself, although all of me goes in, I'm going to make myself finite so that my finite self, my body, can interact with my creation, can truly live with. You know, before I got married, uh, someone was trying to help me find a suitable partner for me. And that, that's an art form all of itself. That's a really hard task. 
Um, and so they were describing to me someone that they knew. They were describing to me uh, actually my wife before I had ever met her. And what they did is they spoke about her hobbies and kind of described how she looks and kind of talked about her passions and said a whole bunch of words. But truthfully, the description didn't actually compel me. I was like, okay, just sounds like a, another person. I mean, what would make this person better for me or worse for me or whatever? I had no idea, and I was like, great. And, and they were like, no, no, you really need to meet her. It's going to be lovely and all this other stuff. And he was really excited about this connection point that we were going to make. You know, he told me that she's funny and that she's nice and you know, and all these other nice things that he could say to convince me that I want to actually meet her. Well, I mean, there was only so much that he could do, and I wasn't really interested in pursuing anybody. And so, you know, it just, it, it wasn't really captivating. His description wasn't, it didn't really capture me. One day I was at church, and uh, because that's where I always was, that's where I've grown up. And so I was at a church barbecue or something, which is a really good thing to get involved in. We should do these street barbecues. It's a great idea. Sorry, ADD. I was at this church barbecue, and there was this woman talking to my friend, and my friend is an introvert, and so me being, you know, noble extrovert guy, I go to bail my friend out, and I start talking to this person, and Lo and behold, the conversation's so intriguing and so interesting that the entire parking lot which this barbecue was being hosted in went empty, and the sun set, and it was the two of us talking and our respective rides trying to be a good distance off. And this is how I met my wife. Now, I had no idea it was the same person that was being described to me until we put two and two together later on. Well, let me tell you, the in-person meeting of my wife was way more valuable than the description given to me. See, sometimes we spend so much time trying to describe what God is like but when Jesus comes, he comes in person, and he exists, and he shows us what God is like. Way more captivating, way more compelling, way more easily understood. God isn't this ethereal spirit in the sky thing that we don't really understand. Now God is person. And so we know God. Meeting Jesus face to face gives us an understanding of God that we could not have without God incarnating, becoming human. Meeting Jesus face to face changes our perspective about God. And so this has been part of God's mission, to live with humanity. God puts on flesh and becomes human with us so that we could meet him. But then he says it's for our benefit that he goes away. If I do not go away, the helper will not come to you, but if I go, I'll send him to you. But wait a second. Jesus, your whole mission was so that we could know you so that we could have 
a relationship with you so that, so that it could be tangible to tangible. It could be person to person. Why are you leaving? Well, Jesus knows that we now have a written history that represents the way he lived, the way he acted, that we have four of them, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We hear about Jesus being, you know, in this world, he's actually still the most famous being, Jesus. Cross-culturally, across history, Jesus has made a difference. But he leaves because he wants God to be with us, and he knows that he has a global mission. Jesus was born into first century um, Israel, into Palestine area, into, into occupied space. He was born into a place and a time under the Roman Empire, which is long ago gone. And Jesus, knowing that God has a global mission, exists as a person, but as one individual in first century, Jesus does not walk the globe. He doesn't go from, from Israel up into Asia and across and down into India and back into Europe and down into Africa and crosses over the seas and comes to North America and South America. Jesus doesn't go to all these places to fulfill the mission of God. God's mission is now going to be fulfilled through a church. This was why Jesus went he sees the Holy Spirit coming with us. We, as a church, are tasked with the greatest and most important partnership ever given to humanity. Of course, there are many things that humanity has done. Of course, we have, we have uh, technology that, that we have developed. We have transportation. We have infrastructure. We have safety. We have houses in a way that the world has never had. But... We have a great partnership given to us as the church that says God wants to be with all humanity. And he's going to do it by putting himself, his spirit, into each one of us, representing him in our world around us. Jesus saw a global mission and the Holy Spirit living in the hearts of those who can fully believe this global mission is the means to this mission. We have been given the Holy Spirit. That's what this whole thing is about. We've been given the Holy Spirit so we can partner with God in His mission to be with humanity and to make all things right. We partner with God, and the Holy Spirit is, is working with us to put forward the mission of God. We are tasked with great partnership and great responsibility. So the Holy Spirit comes and allows us to move with the mission of God. And we look at the verse that says, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Notice, who does the convicting of the world? It's the Holy Spirit. It's not us. 
It's the Holy Spirit that convicts. You know, we've, we've spoken at length in our Galatians series about how we deal with those caught in transgression, and I'm not going to go back into it today, but here we see Jesus speaking plainly, saying, it's the Holy Spirit who is the one who is convicting people of their error. It's the Holy Spirit who calls into your heart and into my heart, saying, this piece right here needs to adjust and needs to become like this. It is not our job to do that part of the mission. It is our job to introduce people to God, to introduce in person through the Gospels the person of Jesus. It's our mission to introduce people to being filled with the Spirit of God so that they too can be changed. And in that, God is making all things right. God will convict people of righteousness because Jesus was faithful all the way, and he's righteous. It's shown in the resurrection and then the ascension of Jesus. It's shown that, that God approved of Jesus' life and his faithfulness because Jesus didn't try to overcome evil with evil, but he overcame evil with an absolute trust in God. Jesus overcame evil with an absolute trust in God that even in the face of evil and death sweeps in, God makes Jesus victorious over death. God resurrects Jesus from the dead when Jesus did not protect his own. God steps in. And so the Holy Spirit will convict people about the rightness of Jesus. And so Jesus becomes the rightful ruler of the world, overcoming death. So we see that God, his mission is to bring people into his presence, but also to make all things right. I, I repeat that a lot because I need us to get it. The good news is God is wanting to live with us and make all things right. It's, one of, it's these promises that this church is built on. God will live with us and make all things right. It resonates with everybody, God making all things right. It resonates with everybody because all of us know at our core that things aren't right. They're just not right. It's obvious it's obvious. If, if, I, if, I, if I take it apart from myself, and I don't think about myself for a second, I can look at the list of things that are wrong around me in the world. I can go as big as I want, and I can see that the front of, of, the, of the newspaper this week showed, showed an army buildup on the mountains between India and China. And I know that there is conflict brewing over the border of India and China, and I can extrapolate how badly that could go. I could, I could figure that out in my own mind. I can bring it down to the local, and I can say the effects of COVID have been terrible on people, and that's not 
right. It's not okay. I can bring it to the national, and I can say our history that is being uncovered about the residential school system and, and, and what happened there and the great blot on the church and on the government about that part of Canadian history. I can see that, and I know it's not right, and I can take it into my house and I can see, and I can look around, just even the fact that things are sometimes breaking down in the house, and I have to fix them because they're just going towards falling apart. We call it entropy. They're, they're just degrading over time, and so we've got to fix it, and, and somehow that's just not, I mean, it's right, but it's not right. It's a process of me making it right, and then in my own heart and my own actions. I have to know you have to know when you look in your own life that there are things that are, just aren't right yet. Well, God promises to make everything right. See, God is the only one with absolute authority on what is right and what is wrong because God is the only one objective enough to be able to see it. See, when I tell stories about my wrong, I make sure that I protect it enough so that your image of me is actually better than probably it should be. I protect my own image, my own identity. I, I, I try to downplay my wrongs because I understand the backstory and I can give myself more grace. And because of that skew, I now have a subjective, inaccurate perspective of what is right and what's wrong. God doesn't have that skew. God doesn't need to justify his own actions because God is right and he is able to judge in my life what is right and wrong. And he's not going to pull any punches on that. Not that he's out to find everything wrong, but that's just, he's objective. He's objective about it. And so our response to that, that, that the Holy Spirit will come and will, uh, will, will judge, we see our response is to trust it in a subordinate way, saying, yep, God, I can accept and I can trust your judgment is true and fair. And I can do that, or it can be antagonistic. And I can say, this is a perceived threat on me. If God were to judge me, this is a threat that I must protect against, and I must push against God. And many of us in our life have experienced that antagonistic approach where we've said, oh, God's judgment is a threat, and I don't want to talk about it, rather than God's judgment is actually God making things right, and I can trust it. Because really, when I look inside of myself, I don't want to bear resentment or bitterness or anger towards family members or friends. But I do, sometimes. So can't God make that right? Won't God make that right in me? I look forward to that day that God would make it right. You know, God's grace has made it so that we aren't just being confronted with what's right and wrong. He's actually giving us His Holy Spirit to convict us 
of sin, the things in our life that are wrong, and he's saying, here, just, just trust me in this one little thing. I'm not going to go through the whole litany of things that are wrong with you. Just trust me in this one little thing. See how I'm going to improve it? See what I'm going to do right here? That's why it's God, Holy Spirit, who leads us in this, and not the church. It's actually the Holy Spirit. Jesus says it right here, that he does it. The Holy Spirit does this work. We've got to trust God to do the work. Our mission isn't to, to make people sinless. Our mission is to bring people to Jesus and to foreshadow what the world looks like when it's made right. The Holy Spirit's going to guide you. He's going to guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and declare to you the things that are to come. The Holy Spirit will guide you in truth. Here's the question for you today. What's the Holy Spirit guiding you in? What is he leading you in? What part of the mission of, of this large mission living with us and making things right, is he actually leading you to participate in? Is he asking you to partner with the church in doing a promise grant? Is he asking you to partner with the church in doing a barbecue? Is he asking you to come on a Sunday and rest and be in his presence and allow your character to be formed into the very image of Christ? Yeah. All of those. But he's also doing other things that are more personal, that are more individual. He is changing you, and he will show us what's to come as well. The Holy Spirit will always glorify Jesus. This isn't some mystical, airy-fairy thing in the sky. The Holy Spirit will always specifically glorify Jesus. Jesus says he will glorify me, for, I, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. As we listen to the Holy Spirit, Jesus gets glory. See, the Holy Spirit today connects the dots for people so they can experience the living Jesus. The Holy Spirit today is the one who works in us and opens our eyes so that we could say, I understand what God is doing. I understand that God is with me inside of me. When Jesus returns, he is with me, and we will see each other face to face. And God is with me in that, holy, that the Father God will, will illuminate the entire sky. God with us, making all things right. See, the success of our mission as a church is dependent on the Holy Spirit in us. If the Holy Spirit is guiding us, then we will take part in God's mission in redeeming the world. And we do this by saying, yes, God, show me your way. Teach me how to live. Convict me of the things that are wrong in my life. But also, in this mission, help me have the words to communicate to others that you want to be with them, that this is your idea, your desire, and help me participate in things that make it look or make it right, make life better. See, 
sometimes the church tries to choose between one or the other of these. Sometimes churches become what the, what the label is, is evangelical churches that focus on evangelism, telling people about Jesus and getting people to know about the work of God that God wants to live with us. And they'll often do it through, through the idea of, um, well, the, the presentation of, of you're a sinner, God, God loves you and, is, and wants to forgive you. Jesus died on a cross and rose again on the third day so that you could uh, live with him forever. And they will focus on that mission of God wants to live with you, live with him forever, right? They'll focus on that to the exclusion of the other. And other churches will do it the other way. Well, they will focus on community dinners and, and reaching the poor and making things right in the environment and wanting to be people who are, who are connected and helping out with the sports teams and, and building, the, building the social framework. And we try to choose between these two things. But the mission of God is both. We foreshadow what it is to be made right and we communicate that God wants to be with us. And it's only something to communicate. Oh, God wants to be with us. Yeah, that's so great. It's like, it's like my friend trying to tell me about my wife before I met her. What it really is, is an invitation into the presence of God. An invitation into a place where somebody could say, wow, I just saw God at work. And that is where we start to partner with the mission of God. The mission for our church is to foreshadow the fulfillment of God's promises, to live with us and to make all things right. God, as we as a community, as a body, as a representative, very finite, very small representative of your body and your mission, God, God we are these people who are on mission with you. God, I pray that you would give us a clarity of, that your Holy Spirit brings, the clarity that your Holy Spirit brings that would allow us to see our partnership with you as not our own effort. We can't do this without you. But it is your guidance, your leadership, your work, working in us as a corporate united body. We are people united to foreshadow the fulfillment of your promises. We're brought together for this call to bring people into your presence and to help make things right. God, I pray that you would infuse each one of us with your spirit, with your strength, with your, with your ability so that we can carry the load that you've asked us to carry and that we would carry it with you knowing that you are faithful, way more faithful than us. Work in us, mold us, guide us, and keep us on your mission. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, Promise Church. We look forward to seeing you very soon, and uh, we'll hear from you next week.